We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another uncontested post-game podcast edition. Oklahoma City gets absolutely train wrecked by the Houston Rockets, one hundred and thirty-six to one hundred and six. Before we dive into this beautiful, beautiful basketball game, I want to let you know that we are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. If you don't already. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore uncontested and Facebook at the uncontested podcast. I am your host yet again for another blowout. It's me, Justin. But tonight I am joined by Jacob. What's up? It's nice to have company. Misery loves company. And I I believe that that's true tonight. I think... The problem with the OKC tank is that we only have you doing a certain number of post games. <laughs> if we just had you do every post game, oh and seventy two, guaranteed, the yeah. tank would be in full effect. Cade <laughs> Cunningham would be like posting pictures in Thunder jerseys. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. I think the number of times that I've had to sit in front of this microphone and figure out what to say after a twenty or thirty point loss in the last couple years has been <laughs> incredibly high compared to the rest of you and i at this point i maybe we just need to embrace it yeah i'm telling you man <laughs> you ready to work some overtime justin oh man <laughs> i don't we don't make enough money for that so let's talk about it um 136 points for the rockets coming off that's, a game that's a where lot the, 
where the Thunder allowed 145, 147. That's also a lot. Pardon me. To the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, 48 points in the first quarter, Jacob. 48 points. It was insane. I, uh, maybe to my benefit, I was having issues, uh, getting the stream to work. I watched the game on the Fox Sports app using my dad's Cox login, and the login was messed up, so I couldn't log into the game. Mm. So I was like half watching some crappy stream while trying to get on the phone with Cox Communications. <laughs> I've said Cox multiple times here. Well, uh, Cox, if you would like to sponsor the podcast, just reach out to us on any of our social media channels. We'll be glad to take your money. Um, and you we, can give us free Cox so we can actually watch the games. Oh, oh yeah, but, to watch the games, right. <laughs> with that being said, uh, I missed... I, I mean, I saw bits and pieces of the first quarter, and I score-watched. Uh, and was bad. Real was bad. Was V-bad. V-bad. And I think that what's interesting about tonight and the Brooklyn game, which I also had the pleasure of covering, is that if you take out a really bad stretch in the very beginning of the game, the Thunder go kind of blow for blow with the other team. Now, that mm-hmm. is it's okay, but really it's, it's still doesn't make up for their defense. And that, that's been the common denominator in both of these games is that the Thunder defense has just been abysmal and i want to start here because we actually got a twitter question we didn't get many which i don't blame you because uh there's just i got a twitter question how (laughs) why i got another one why um (laughs) i want to start here though our our guy smelly fart box 88 asks why are our defensive rotations suddenly so bad because that first quarter and really throughout the whole game uh, the Thunder could not rotate on defense to save their lives to the tune of 28 three-pointers for the Houston Rockets. What What do you think about that, Jacob? Yeah, it's it's very evident. Um, the rotations are not crisp. Uh, some of that, it, it's, it's really difficult, right? Because whenever we think defense, I think the average NBA fan thinks, I am guarding said guy. I do not let said guy get around me or I do not let said guy make a basket. But NBA defense has so little to do with man-on-man defense and so much more with help and rotations. And that comes from a few places. It comes from communication. Uh, It comes from experience with one another. Yep. Uh, It comes with... Instead of being five individual defenders out there being like on a string where the defense moves and flows as one unit rather than five individuals. I do not think it is a coincidence that George Hill has been out of the lineup and the Thunder have been giving up a lot of points. I was going to say the exact same thing. I love Teo. I think Teo is going to be a really good player. I have high hopes for Teo. But there is a massive gap in the defense, both individually and team defense, whenever you go from George Hill to Teo. Yes, Teo is also a 19-year-old rookie who didn't have a normal training camp or preseason, so he is essentially just being tossed into NBA basketball. And when you play a team like the Houston Rockets, especially the Houston Rockets as of late, they will punish you for that. And I think that's Rockets what we... up to seven straight? Yeah, I think. I think after tonight, seven straight. I think they I... came in with six straight. Yep, that feels right. They, they've been rolling since the Harden trade. Uh, and tonight was no exception. 53.8% from behind the arc. That's the that's biggest, that's the biggest number. Yeah. The Thunder get outscored 
by 45 points from the three-point line. Yeah. That's, 45. <laughs> that'll do it. Uh, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to overcome that. On the flip Definitely. side, I do want to talk about something that, that you and Nick were talking about a little bit on Twitter, which is kind of the Thunder performance by quarter. You had brought up Shea's stats by quarter this season, kind of pointing out how he usually goes off really, really big in the third quarter. And Nick pointed out that that really reflects on the team as a whole. The Thunder, their best scoring quarter uh, in, in games this season is the third quarter. But on the flip side, their worst is the first quarter. And we got another Twitter question about this from at Go Get Wins, who asks, tank or not, it's excruciating to see Thunder starters struggling offensively in the first quarter for most games lately. Is Baze's inconsistent shooting the main reason? So we've talked a little bit about Maladone and how his defense might be contributing uh, to some of the numbers we've seen lately. Do you think Baze's slump has anything to do with the Thunder struggling in the first quarter? I mean, I think that might be part of the problem. I don't think that that's the diagnosis for the entire issue. But I do think it could be part of the problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think that starting unit, now that especially now, you've kind of broken up the continuity that they had now that you have Teo in there now, again, instead of George Hill. That just that throws everything off, and again, Teo is young. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just young. Yep. Uh, Al Horford being in and out. Um, Lou Dort has kind of begun his regression to the means as far as his three-point shooting. Uh, only one of four from three tonight. He's shooting like sub 30% in like his past six games now. Yep. So that regression as well uh, kind of makes the offense a little sluggish. Uh, the Thunder's best offense is coming from Shea Gilders Alexander getting downhill, getting both feet into the lane, and then hitting some sort of layup um, or, you know, drawing the defense in and then kicking out to a shooter or a cutter. But now defenses are like gearing all of their defensive effort. Like Shea is the first five pages of the scouting report now. And so it's making it harder to um, to, to really initiate anything, right? And then it, makes, it also makes it difficult whenever you have uh, Al Horford tonight who's like struggling to finish anything inside. Um, that there's... It's just the whole thing is discombobulated. And I wonder, Justin, tell me what you think about this. Is those big third quarters, it, part of it, is it that the Thunder are making good adjustments and coming out more aggressive? Or is part of it that the Thunder are going into halftime with big deficits and the <laughs> opponent is coming out uh, on cruise control a little bit? Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly that if you didn't. And that's the Thunders seem to have a habit of shooting themselves in the foot early on in the game and spending the whole rest of the game trying to fight back, which has not uh, worked out in their favor a whole lot this season. And so I think it's a lot of that, of the Thunder are going to come out aggressive. This team can fight, and they may not always keep a game close, but they're always going to test you a little bit. And I think we see that the most at the beginning of third quarters. Like tonight, the Thunder were, were really pressing uh, the Rockets well at the beginning of the third quarter, but at the end of the third quarter, the Rockets went on a little bit of a run and ended up plus seven in the quarter, unlike the Nets game where the, the Thunder kind of went a little more even with the Nets throughout the rest of the game. So I think what you're seeing is the adjustments that are being made at halftime, the Thunder really kind of coming out aggressive because their backs are against the wall. 
The other team is not in that position. Uh, and we saw that again tonight. The Rockets were able to kind of reground themselves, take back over, and outscore the Thunder in the third and the fourth quarter tonight. Yeah. Yep. I, I think you've really hit the nail on the head there. Um, Justin, is there any individual performances you want to dive into tonight? So I want to start by talking about our budding all-star, Shea Gilgis Alexander. 29 minutes tonight led to 19 points, 8 of 15 shooting, 2 of 5 from behind the arc, 1 of 2 from the line, 2 boards, 5 assists, 1 steal, and 2 blocks. However, what sticks out to me, and I we always caveat single game plus minus as it's not a great barometer of performance. It can kind of vary wildly, but minus 31 for Shea tonight is it's just kind of hard to ignore on the stat sheet because the next closest um, in terms of negatives for the Thunder is Baisley and Dort at minus 19. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a pretty big gap. Um, I thought you were going to point out that the biggest eyesore on his stat line tonight was the five turnovers. Well, that too. Um, yeah. Also not good. <laughs> Um, this is one of those games where the stat line doesn't tell the story. Shea looks very efficient on the stat line. 8 of 15, 2 of 5 from 3, uh, 19 points on 15 shots, you know, 5 assists. But I feel like Shea got frustrated a bit tonight with, with the way the team played. Um, I felt like yep. at the end of the, the first half, he got very aggressive yes. and tried to just force stuff to go in, which is we, what we kind of always talked about. Like, we want to see this dude just kind of take over a game. Yes, He right. kind of started to do that tonight uh, at the end of that, that first bursts. half. He has bursts of yep. that. Yep. But just a rough knife night overall. Uh, and I think, again, that stems from, like, He's the front page of the scouting report. Like teams are blitzing him. Yes. He's facing double teams in nearly every half court set. Every yep. time they run a pick and roll, they're blitzing the pick and roll and coming after Shea. And I think Al Horford's a fine player. Al Horford does not roll to the basket. And if Al Horford rolled to the basket uh, off those double teams, he'd probably have a lot more easier buckets. Instead, he's giving Shea like the super simple outlet just to get the ball out of his hands and reset out of that double team. But they're blitzing him hard. Uh, he's facing a lot of defensive attention. And, you know, if – I don't want this to sound like I'm crapping on the rest of the, the team, but if Shea had other high-level players around him uh, that could consistently hit shots, he would be lighting it up. I think he's like sixth in the league in potential assists right now. Hmm. He's second in the league in drives for, per game. Um, but he's f- first in the league and passes off of drives per game. He gets into the lane, and he is looking to set his teammates up. He's playmaking. He's making the right reads. And a lot of times, guys just aren't hitting shots. Yep. Um, you know, today he struggled a little bit, maybe forcing some passes. Uh, he got ripped a couple of times. I think Victor Oladipo gave him fits here and there. Uh, I'm interested to see how he comes back out two games from now against this same team and how he adjusts and tries to attack. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. The the defensive attention that he's received this season, but really especially what feels like you know the last week or two, has really amped up. I think uh, opposing teams have realized his skill level and what he means to the Thunder. When he gets going, the Thunder go with him. And he hasn't been able to get going as much recently as we've seen in the past. Um, when, when you can force Shea out of his rhythm, 
it affects not just his scoring, but the way he's able to create for others. And I think that's that's exactly what what you're hitting on and what we were picking up tonight. The next guy that I would like to talk a little bit about because he's um I don't know how to how to feel about his performances. And so I'm curious your take. It's Hamadou Diallo. Diallo tonight, 15 points, which is, I think they said on the broadcast, six straight games of 10-plus for Hami, which is the the longest streak in his career so far. He's scoring the ball, but I feel like his performances, once again, the, the stats don't tell the full story. So I'm curious how what you've seen out of Hami lately. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on record with this. Hami's points are very loud, right? It's very Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook-esque. Yeah. It is very loud. Um, I think when Hami gets the ball, runs really fast, and gets to the front of the rim, uh, that's a good thing. He can be very physical down there. He Guys bounce off of him. Uh, he can contort his body. He's worked really hard on finishing those like weird off-handed finishes and those floaters and whatnot. But unless it's in transition or off a cut in the half court, I don't like him handling the ball. I, I keep saying this, and I think it's true. Hami, and maybe, shit, maybe it is true. Hami goes out there like he is the best player on the court whenever he's with that bench unit. Hmm. And that because of that, he needs to do all of the work. Hmm. I do think he's good. I do like him going downhill. Uh, Mm -hmm. He should never shoot a jumper. Like if they kick out to him on a catch and shoot three, you can let that one go. But these off the dribble mid-range pull-ups, like he's got to purge those. Those have got to go. Those are bad shots. Yeah. Right. Whenever like he gets the ball, dribbles on the court, passes to somebody, and then runs over to them to grab the ball back so he can have the ball. Like I don't know what his usage is with that bench unit, but it feels like it's really, really high. Mm. Yeah. And I think it would be better served uh, for that group to be a little more democratic, unless Homie is getting downhill to the basket. In which case, I'm okay with him doing that. He was six of seven from the field tonight for 15 points. Mm-hmm. That's pretty solid. But then also, like, he had three fouls in the first quarter, I think. Was fouling shooters. Shooters were making buckets. He was fouling them. Um, Just a little, like, overzealous and a little, like, over-energetic. Yep. So, Homie is this, like, uh, he's like this spark plug off the bench that sometimes uh, you plug him in and the machine fires up and it starts humming and, and things go great. And sometimes you plug it in. And the spark plug explodes and the whole car goes up in flames and everyone burns, you know? And it's like, you don't know which spark plug you're going to get each night. Yeah, that's a great point. I think I used the analogy the other night after the Brooklyn game of, you know, that he he is always going 110%. You just got to make sure he's going 110% in the right direction, which I think is, 100%. is not always the case. No, 110% totally agree. try to keep up. Totally um, agree. Yeah, sometimes he starts going 110% and he doesn't. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have his head on straight and it's just wild, chaotic bullshit. And sometimes it's... It sounds like we're talking about Russell Westbrook. It Does it not? No, it it totally isn't. Not that, like, for the record, we are not comparing Hamadou Diallo to Russell Westbrook, but the, the, there is the a little bit of that. The talent level is insanely different. Yes. But the style of play is so similar. Yes. Yeah. We want him to get to the rim, they're like cut the shitty ball. jump shot, Yep. play energetic, but in the right context, harness that energy. It's it's the Russell Westbrook conversation all yep. over again. It's kind yeah. of it's kind of funny. Hundred percent. Who else? Anybody else stand out to you tonight? Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With the Credit Karma Money Spend Account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win. You'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Um, not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, Al Horford, two or three from three, yep. uh, but missed about every little bunny he took, yep. which is a little <laughs> disappointing. And got taken by Christian Wood a number of times. Yes. Uh, Lou Dort, two of eight. Uh, again, a bit of a regression to the means. Yep. Uh, I do want to touch on Baisley real yes. quick. He got some of his points in, in garbage time tonight. Uh, only one of four from three. He's really struggling shooting the three this year. Six rebounds and assist. Two turnovers. Still makes some poor decisions. But he has some stuff every game. Tonight he had a... Uh, like this weird like pivot spin back around on the basket up and under, which was yes. really nice. The and he's getting turn. like a couple of baskets off of cuts each night now that I think he needs to incorporate more into his game. I think he's a really good off-ball cutter, and we're starting to see that a little bit more, and I'd like to see him continue to do that because when he cuts, he catches the ball, and it's just like one step to the rim and then just go up and yeah. dunk it. And that stuff looks really nice. Uh, but again, I still feel like a lot of times you watch Baisley play, and it's like the gears are slowly turning in his head, um, and he's he's thinking the game a whole lot more than he's just playing off instinct. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's all. There was even the play where he made a cut to the basket. I forget who threw the oop, but they threw it too high, and it was over his head. But it was a good move from Baisley to get open. I, I think you're dead on using his length and his athleticism to get to the basket and get easy buckets. If your shot's not falling from deep, Get to the rim. Make it easier on yourself. Not too dissimilar from what we're talking about with Hami. Get to the rim and get an easy bucket. I think it's what made guys like Andre Robertson so successful. Now, I'm not throwing Baisley's shot in the same bucket as Robertson. We're, we're not at that level yet. 
But what you saw out of his game was the ability to understand defensive situations and to take advantage of those backdoor cuts because a lot of times they're there. And if he can begin to exploit that more regularly, I think we're going to see more well-rounded offensive production from Baisley. For sure. And stay on the subject of Bays. I think defensively, I'd like to see him do a little bit more because we talked at the beginning of the show about the Thunder's defensive rotations. If Bays can start getting to the point where he can consistently switch with guys, you solve a lot of those yes. rotation issues. Yes. Right? Whenever you can switch defensively, you can switch a lot of things. So, um, And we got a little taste of point Bays tonight. Yeah. Um, it wasn't <laughs> awful. <laughs> it wasn't awful, but it was probably – uh, one of the strangest lineups the Thunder have run out this season. I, I think on Twitter I referred to it as them going full long boy uh, because they had they had Bayes running point. They had Poku out there. They had Muscala. They had, who was it? Uh, Poku, Bayes, Muscala. They had Kenrich. And crap, who was the fifth? I don't know. This was at one of those points Roby. where I was yelling I think at it was Roby. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Roby was out there. Like just the most absurdly long lineup that you could imagine. Um but also like the tankiest lineup I think you could throw out there. And it, it was pretty early in the game, but I, it was at that point that I think you you really quickly realized like oh, this thing is probably already over. Yeah, but, no, I, I kind of felt this thing was already over uh, halfway <laughs> through the first quarter. So, so I, some interesting stats that I came across uh, after this game. One from Jeff Pat, OKC. The Thunder's point differential is now negative 8.2 after tonight's game. Only the Timberwolves have a worse one at negative 9.7, to which Joe Masato added, of the Thunder's 11 losses, only two have been within 10 points. Wow. Uh, so when the Thunder are losing, they are losing big. And, and when they're I, winning, they're winning close. And they're winning close. And I think that that's contributed a little bit to them, you know, their win-loss record being a little bit inflated from where they probably actually are. And I'd also like to, like, self-own myself because I think on on one of these podcasts, I've said something along the lines of, like, the Thunder aren't going to get blown out very often because they're good enough to keep it competitive. Um, <laughs> I think that's been proven uh, untrue so far. They, Just a little bit. They can very much get blown out very often, um, which we've seen. Now, I would like them to to keep it close. The ideal situation is you know, they, they at least can keep it close, keep it entertaining, but in lieu of that, we're trying to latch on to the individual development, the player stories, um, seeing how these guys can improve and get better. And to that point, I feel like we need to talk about Poku. Poku did not do much on the floor tonight, which I think could be, you know, rinse and repeat for most of the games lately. This, however, comes on the heels of the news that Poku will be heading to the G League bubble tomorrow. And we got a question from Samuel Millar 8 asking how we feel about Poku going to the G League. Do we think it'll be good for his development? and gaining more confidence, or do we think that Thunder should have kept playing him against NBA competition? So I'm curious your thoughts on that, Jacob. I had been on team let him play NBA competition, mm-hmm. but I also understand the logic of when he goes to the bubble, he's going to start and he's going to be a lot more of a focal point. 
Yep. And at least I believe so. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to give him a chance um, to maybe exper- experiment with some stuff. With the Thunder, he is very much like they're telling him, play this role, mm-hmm. do this thing. Whenever he gets down to the bubble, it's going to be his role is going to be opened up a lot more. And so it's going to be a lot more chances to try new things and new experiences. And I think that will be good for him. Poku Unchained. And I think I think for the guy who is the youngest player in the NBA, uh, as a friendly reminder, for what we talked about earlier, where this has been an abnormal way to enter the league, especially when you are the youngest guy in the league like Poku, not having summer league, not having a real training camp, not having a full preseason, I kind of see the bubble. The bubble's kind of going to be his summer league experience to an extent. I think that's fair. And I think that'll and the be bubble re- only lasts really a good month. for him. Right, exactly. So he can come back afterwards. Exactly. You know, you don't have the luxury of being able to send him up and down for a few games, pull him back, get NBA experience, kind of like what we've seen the Thunder do in recent years with their G League prospects. So mm-hmm. I think sending him down for a month, I think I think it makes sense. And I, I do think that long term, it will be good for his development. Definitely. I think if this was a normal year where the Thunder was playing in the peak with fans and across the street, the G League was going on as normal in the Cox Convention Center. Yeah. I think we'd be seeing him bounce back and forth a lot. Absolutely. I really do. Um, Speaking of Poku going to the G League and the G League bubble, uh, on Tuesday, February 2nd, which is when most people probably be listening to this, at noon Central Time, uh, OKC Blue Coach Grant Gibbs will be having media availability about the team heading down to the bubble. Um, I will be on that Zoom call, so I will live tweet from the the uncontested Twitter account some of those quotes. I'm sure uh, we will ask a lot about Darius Baisley. Uh, Sorry, not Darius Baisley. uh, (laughs) I was like, wait, why? (laughs) Alexi, yeah, no, Alexi (laughs) Pokashevsky, um, or as I may refer to him in my uh, question. Alexi (laughs) Pokashevsky. Just to see what they say. Um, No, uh, Poku, um, Ty Jerome, which I'm not sure is an actual human being yet. Um, <laughs> Can't and me. then Josh Hall and Moses Brown all going down. So we'll yeah. be talking to mm-hmm. Coach Gibbs about all of those guys and kind of getting a feel for, for what he thinks. So I'll be sure to ask him about those guys uh, and probably rip some of that audio for our yes. next podcast episode. So Awesome. So... Since we're on the subject of Poku, we have to humor our guy, Sean. He asked if a team offered the same deal that Jackie Moon got for Ed Monix for Poku, would Presty take it? So if you haven't watched Semi-Pro in a while, um, Jackie Moon once famously traded a washing machine for Ed Monix. So (laughs) Sean, the uh, noted Poku hater, would like to know, would you trade Poku for a washing machine? No. Okay, next. Um, (laughs) At J.D. Silva, our boy Jacob Silva, the maker of the intro, the keeper of the keys, wants to know if you could trade pick number three and Lou Dort for pick number one, would you do it? Let's assume he's talking next year's draft. 2021, yeah. Yeah. The answer is yes. Ooh, okay. Uh, I don't know. The answer, I think the answer is unequivocally yes. Ooh, unequivocally. That's strong like, words. I mean, 
I am not a draft expert. I am not a talent evaluator. I am not a scout. Mm-hmm. But every time I listen to people who are smart about this stuff <laughs> and who do this for a living, right? what I hear them say is, I don't know why people are overthinking this. This is clearly the Cade Cunningham draft and everyone yep. else comes after. Mm. If you can get Cade for your pick plus Lou, I love Lou. I I mean, it, my heart says no because <laughs> the Lutang clan. That's the caveat. That's but always Sam the caveat. Presti makes that team sign the paperwork right then and there before they can back out. Yeah. Like they yeah. 100% go for that. That's fascinating. I I think that I think you're dead on in that it does seem that, you know, Cade consistently rises to the top. The only reason I hesitate is I feel like Sam Presti typically finds in the lottery the diamond in the rough. Now he has lots of misses on diamonds in the rough later in the draft. And that's understandable when you look back at everybody does later. Right. When you look back at later first round picks and how they pan out, like he's not, he's not far off the averages there. But when you look at um, not Kevin Durant as much, because that one feels obvious, but Russell Westbrook and James Harden were a little, were taken higher than people thought they would be. I could see Sam Presti say the thunder do get pick number three. I could see Sam Presti picking somebody. I'm not going to wager a guess as to who that somebody is right now, but picking somebody who winds up being nearly as good as Cade Cunningham. Now, all of that is based off like want and hope and speculation and basing it off of, you know, lightning striking twice like it did with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I think the safe bet is you take Cade Cunningham but I think that would maybe make me hesitate a tiny bit if I were the Thunder. I understand. Uh, I, I'm going to make a really fun analogy here of that, though. All right? Okay. I, I love analogies. I teach with analogies all the time. Okay. Cade Cunningham in this draft is like us being like, how old are you, Justin? Awkward. Uh, 30, thank you. Oh, yeah, we're both 30. That's right. Yeah. Are you older than me? Old man pod. Yeah, I am older than you. Yes. I'm Come on, man. man. Okay, so we're both 30 years old. So let's transport ourselves back to the year 2000 when we're both 10 years old. Ooh. Okay. Did you ever watch the the old Conan sketches? In the year 2000. Uh, no, but I have started. Okay. We're going to get off on a bad tangent here. <laughs> um, I did just recently start for the first time ever, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, incredible! Solid. Yeah, it's, it's Parks and Rec cops form. <laughs> yes, that's, a, that's perfect. Speaking of analogies. Okay, so let's transport ourselves... 20 years, 21 years in the past, back to the year 2000. We are 10 years old. Justin, uh, fifth grade just got out. Mm. Uh, we got on our bikes. We rode our bikes home, uh, grabbed our our binder with our nine pocket sleeves in it, uh, ran over to our friend's house to play Pokemon cards. Okay? <laughs> yes. Cade Cunningham is that holographic first edition Charizard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it it is sitting right there, and you can get it for twenty five dollars, right? You and your friends go go down to the local card shop, and it's sitting there twenty five dollars. You can get that holographic first edition Charizard card, or you can buy that eleven card booster pack and open it up, and maybe maybe you get a Blastoise or a Venusaur out of it, mm-hmm. right? Are mm-hmm. you willing to spend the twenty five dollars? to get the Charizard 
Or are you going to spend six bucks, five bucks, and open up a pack that might get you the Blastoise, or it might get you like some shitty like Ponyta or something like that, you know, a Rapidash. That's kind of what this is like, right? I think, yes, Presty does hit the diamonds in the rough. Yep. But, but do you, you want to go getting in the dirt and digging and maybe you find a diamond or maybe it's a, a fossilized cow turd? This or is a you, lot of analogies. I know. Or do you want to uh, do you want to spend a little bit more and get the diamond mm. that's sitting right there ready mm. to go? It's the, I don't know, carrots of diamonds. Is higher carrots better? It's a 50-carat diamond. I don't know. Yeah, that that's a pretty big diamond. Okay. A lot of analogies <laughs> to say. I think you take the, the known... The yes. known quality item in Cade Cunningham. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Did you ever right. have a holographic Charizard? No. Neither did I. I opened up a holographic Blastoise in a pack. That's where oh, that, well that thing came from. I tried well to get done. my dad to buy me a holographic Charizard uh, at the flea market, and he would not do it. <laughs> so this this analogy was a lot closer to real life than we mm-hmm. wanted Cheap to admit. bastard. All right. One last question. Not basketball related. Uh, from at Chris Parrish. I guess first I should ask, Jacob, have you watched WandaVision? I have not. What? Okay. I I guess, I'm, uh, I yeah, yeah. Maybe I, I will. Guess, I'm I guess I'll take for a week, so then. maybe I'll just yes. tune in. Well, you got to hold on through episode four. That's all I'm saying. It okay. took a bit. It took a bit, but I'm in, I'm in now. Chris P. Parrish. Crispy. Crispy Parrish wants to know, Brutes. is Wanda a villain? Now, if you haven't watched WandaVision, this isn't going to make much sense. I would also like to caveat this with I'm probably the least qualified person other than Jacob um, to answer this question because I recently discovered that uh, I've only seen two of the Marvel Phase 3 films, so I'm not (laughs) super familiar with Wanda. I don't know what Marvel Phase 3 means. Okay. See, we are literally the two least qualified people to answer. I like the question. Marvel movies. I just don't know the the. But we're gonna try. Um, Wanda gives me weird vibes. She kind of creeps me out. She seems like she. Everything about her seems like a villain. Like the way her powers are kind of mysterious. I feel like the superheroes always have like well defined powers, and the bad guys are always just kind of like vaguely powerful. And that's how I feel about Wanda. All of this could be off base. Nerds, get at me in my mentions. Uh, but that that's my vibe right now. I, I'm I'm I feel like Wanda's up to something. Only Wanda I know is from Fairly Odd Parents. Mm, another good Wanda with some great powers as well. It's probably the same one, TBH. Ooh, plot twist. Plot twist. Marvel Phase Four, the Fairly Odd Parents crossover. Timmy Turner's coming out. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Uh, okay, we have talked far enough for this terrible blowout loss. Next game, the Thunder back. Get another chance for redemption against the Rockets uh, on Wednesday night. We'll be Hopefully they don't give up another again. 136. Hopefully they don't give up 136. Either way, we will come at you with another post-game podcast. Follow us on Twitter to get all of Jacob's media coverage from the G League media availability before they go to the bubble. Follow us on all your socials. Subscribe wherever you get your pods. Five star us in said locations, and we will love you forever. Until next time, Thunder Up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.